on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We recap OU's spring game. Then ESPN's Matt Miller joins us to talk some NFL draft. And then we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, April 24th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of April, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now, recording this on Sunday afternoon, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, a very busy weekend is in the books, my friend. It is. Um, oh, what a day. It was a, it was a good day for spring for spring game. Um, you know, a lot of action out there, a lot of, a lot of things going on, a lot of alumni, fans showed up in good numbers. I'm just looking outside, and it's a beautiful day. Friday was a beautiful day, and Saturday, I don't know what happened, it, but we got through it, and I'm glad as many fans showed up as they did, considering the conditions. It was not ideal, but still an awesome day. Yeah, and, and an awesome weekend, right? Ton of events. Got to see a bunch of guys. I don't know about you, but got to see a bunch of guys I hadn't seen in a long time, which is always fun, and the baby cooperated going in tomorrow morning and listen sometimes you know because when we do this podcast it's just literally it's just me and you talking to each other (laughs) right and and sometimes i forget you know how many people actually listen to this and the the number of people that came up to me on saturday at the spring game and were asking for baby updates and said that they were praying for me and my wife and, and our son it was it was cool it was really cool. And thanks to all the people that did that. But yeah, people were like, wait, you're here. I was like, yeah, I'm here, which means we're good. So let's <laughs> just not even talk about it. So it was, but it was pretty funny to see the number of people that were, that were interested in the baby updates. It gave me, it gave me quite a few good chuckles. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's good that everything has gone uh, according to plan. So that's awesome. 
We are going in Monday morning at 5.30 a.m. Okay. Oof. It's been a long time since I've been up that early, man. We'll see how it goes. It's a good thing you're not going in at like, well, I guess you never know, but the hard part's when you go in late at night. That's what happened the first time. Enough enough about about the birth of my children. I don't think people are really that interested. What they're most interested in, Ted, is in what what we think about what we saw on Owen Field on Saturday in the spring game. Let's start with the defense, right? I I think the defense stood out. uh, As compared to the offense, the defense stood out the most. I'll leave it vague like I always do and let you do your thing. What what did you think? Well, I I thought – I thought they looked really good for the most part. Now, I think it's a here, – here is the really good lesson. Uh, we always talk about it on here. It's a line of scrimmage sport, right? And, you know, defensively talk about how everything starts with the defensive line. And we know the offensive line was banged up, weren't at full strength. Second team offense was really pieced together. Uh, second team offensive line was really pieced together. But we'll get to that. We'll we'll it, get to that in my section. But that is a glimpse of what defense looks like whenever you dominate the line of scrimmage, right? It's it becomes nearly impossible for the offense to do anything. Um, all that being said, I thought some guys looked really good. Even some guys playing with the number two group against the number one offense, I thought. Uh, looked really good. Starting in the secondary, um, Peyton Bowen had the interception early. Thought that was a really nice play. He is, for as young as he is, playing a difficult position, safety. Um, it looks like he's got a really good feel for the position out there. Um, seems like he's always in a pretty good place. He's athletic. He's he's in good position to tackle. He made plenty of plays out there. I thought... Um, um, you know what you're going to get from Billy Bowman, right? He's he's just a he's solid, good all around player, uh, leader out there, getting guys lined up. I thought he was solid. I thought Key Lawrence looked good at times. Um, you know, running made a couple of nice plays out there. Um, at Cheetah, I thought Justin Harrington looked really good. He was flying around making some plays. Uh, played some safety as well with the second team uh, defense, and he just got bounced. I don't know any other way to really put it. He's he's just flies around out there, and it looked like he was in some really good spots, like he was supposed to be. So was happy with Harrington, and, and I thought the Sean McCollum played good there. The the interesting part about Harrington was he got banged up in the last practice of spring yeah. ball. And they weren't sure if he was if he was even going to be out there for the spring game. And I saw him in you know in the training room before before we went out there to start the pregame stuff for TV and radio. And I basically was like, I've been hearing, well, what, what am I about to see? He's like, Oh, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show you. I was like, Okay, I like this kid a lot. And you're right, man. The the energy he plays the game with. He he moves, he moves just so much differently. It seems like than any other option they have at Cheetah. Yeah, he's just he's got spring in his step. He's he continues to learn that position more and more. I think I think by the time we kick the season off, you know I I'm 
really happy with with where he is right now. I'm 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 really impressed. And I thought Deshaun McCullough looked pretty good, you know, coming in from from the day he stepped on on campus practice one to practice fifteen. He's improved a bunch, uh, and he's still got a long way to go. But man, you could just see had a couple of pass breakups. You just see the length and how how difficult it is to to throw the football anywhere near him with that 6'5 height and the reach that he's got. Backers, I thought backers played pretty good for the most part. Stutzman was solid. I thought Kanick was solid. Um, Kobe McKenzie, uh, I think he missed a couple of tackles, but um, I still thought that he looked pretty good. Pachati played uh, quite a bit out there. I thought he moved well for an early arrival. I'll tell you a guy that I thought had a really good game, Kip Lewis, uh, number 10. He moves really good. He can fly. Um, he was around the football a lot. You know, this, they really like him. It's just a, it's just a size thing. He's still only about 205 pounds. So hard to play inside backer at that position. Um, Kip, ho- holler at me, Kip. If you need that, that quick weight game plan, I got you, bro. Been yep. through it. I can I can help you. I can help you, Kip. Kip, you just just uh just send me a text. He needs it. He needs to uh put some weight on, but he, he's still young and he's got time. He can run, man. And, yep. and that's the thing when you're looking at what you want at inside backer in today's day of age of college football, like you gotta be able to cover, you gotta be able to cover a lot of ground, right? Especially with some of the responsibilities the BV puts on these backers. And that's the thing. He, he runs as well as anyone they have in that inside backer room. It's just uh, when you're two Oh five and, and you're taking on inside zone or some of these gap scheme runs, like you're just going to get swallowed up, man. You yep. you just have to, even though he play, he plays way bigger than two Oh five. It's just, now, at some point, it's just physics. And so hopefully he can add a solid, you know, 15 pounds and at least be at that 220, uh, that 220 weight. If he gets there, got a chance to play some snaps, man, because he he's certainly the thing that stands out about me as I was going through the film, he's got some really good instincts. And I know that the I know that the offense kept it very vanilla, but he he's got really good instincts when it comes to just avoiding people it's yeah. like he he's a really good sense of what's going on around him and, and how to how to get out of bad situations i think that's a good way to put it and and i'll just tell you i don't get i don't get hung up that much on the weight i i i think that that's a, a lot of people have we're too small i've just played with a bunch of small linebackers that are incredible so I, I don't get hung up on the, that much. It's really, it's about pad level and technique. And if you can play low, you can be small. You cannot be small and play high. It's just, you. it just does not happen. So um, I think the weight's going to come. He's still young, so he's got plenty of time. I think he could, uh, he could turn into a really good backer for us. Uh, I forgot to mention in the secondary, uh, Josiah Wagner, I thought he played really well as we expected him to. He looked good out there. Um, now, defensive line. 
Um, Pearson I, made a bunch of nice plays too. Yes, coming up, make yeah, coming up, making plays in space. Boy, there was a what that one drive he made like three or four plays in a row, right? Yeah, and you know we we kind of expected that from him whenever he transferred in. Experience, um, physical tackles well. Know exactly what you're going to get. Safety is deep. I feel I feel really good about safety right now. Um, defensive line difficult to evaluate. Um because you had the one defensive line going up against the two offensive line. But, you know, they did rotate in some. Um, I I think I like Lu'ulu moving inside. I think that's going to be a good move for him. Good length, still playing a little bit too high. He's a taller guy. Um, you know, and, and that kind of goes for everyone across the front. We got to continue to get better with pad level, uh, playing with leverage. Um, but I thought he looked pretty good. Um, Trace Ford didn't play a whole lot, but whenever he was out there, I thought he shined. You could see the athleticism. Um, I think he's fall camp. He's going to factor into the equation quite a bit more. Um, and I thought the young guy Atabare looked good out there, made a couple of nice plays, a couple of nice rushes. Uh, as he continues to grow into that body, he's going to be fantastic. I think, um, Let's see. Who did else? we did we get a name change right before that thing kicked off for him? Yeah. Adabawara. Right. Yes. We got to make that. It took us forever to get Adabare right, but now we're going. But it is easier because now we're just supposed to pronounce it the way that it's spelled. Right. So that makes it. But it it may take us a little bit to shift back. But yeah, it's Adabawara is the way. Is what Mike Howe handed to, handed the pronunciation yes. to us. Well, I'll just tell you right now, I'm like a cargo ship turning around in the ocean. Okay, it's going to take me a while, and I will really wait until most of the people have corrected it, and it becomes the common parlance, or however you would say it, and then. I'll catch on. I will not be leading the charge for the pronunciation I, change. I'll try my best. I'll try <laughs> my best, PJ, to lead the charge. Now, can I just say one thing about that guy? Now, first of all, Venables told us in our production meeting, he's the co-leader on the entire team in accountability points, right? All this stuff they're doing throughout the spring, and it's it's football-related and non-football-related, right? Academics, community service, all this stuff. To hear that you know, he's that type of kid. That's really great to hear. But, and I have, I've been around some, some really, really good defensive linemen, right? In my NFL career. It's what happens when you bounce around the way that I did. And, you know, was there when Miles Garrett got picked by the, got picked by the Browns. It was with Cam Jordan in, in New Orleans. Uh, both guys, I think, are going to go to the Hall of Fame. P.J. Adebawara has the frame to be the number one pick of the draft. He is huge and is barely even scra- scratching the surface of what he's going to be physically. I stood next to him, and I was like, good. It was one of those things where I was getting so excited 
<laughs> I was just like, yes, we finally have one of these guys. Like we finally have this guy. So not to put crazy expectations on, on the kid, but that's just, that's what it looks like, man. Yep. And that, that was the first time I got to stand right next to him, uh, chatted with him just a little bit. And if, if he gets developed properly, he's got the chance to be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Insane physical build. Like if the frame is, we haven't had a guy like that maybe ever here. I That's, that's what I've tried to get across to people is like, or who's he remind you of? Well, I don't know that we've ever had anyone that that's has those physical traits here. Um, and I think that, He's still young. I don't know. He may be 17 years old. I, I don't know. He's 17 or 18. I would bet this time next year, he's probably 260 pounds, you know? Yeah, I'll just say, with, with what his, just with what his frame looks like and just watching him move around, and especially I, uh, looking at what his brother did at Northwestern, what his brother's done in the pre-draft process, if he's not a top ten pick, something's something wrong. something has gone wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And no pressure, guy. He he's looked he looked way better yesterday than he has pretty much at any other time I've seen him this spring. Agreed. You know, he's and there's a lot of guys like that. Um, we we get out there the first handful of practices and it's like oh my gosh like we're in trouble, but you know, 15 practices in there's a lot of guys that, that look a, a lot better at a is one of those. I think Deshaun McCullough to me is a guy that's made a lot of, a lot of ground in, in the, uh, just the brief spring. Um, you know, I, I, I like what I saw from quite a few guys. Now, again, some of it is difficult to, to grade, because of the number one defensive line going against the two offensive line, which really isn't the two offensive line, but it it just is it, you got a good look at what it looks like when you dominate the line of scrimmage defensively. Uh, the offense goes backwards. <laughs> you get out to a what was it like a fifty-one to whatever lead? I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I I'm with you. Right, uh, it's it, it is hard to evaluate. As I was going through it, I was like, I don't even know what to do with some of this. But you got anything else defensively? What you saw? No, just generally a a really good day. Tackled well, uh, covered well, competitive with the football, turned it over, constant pressure on the quarterback. Uh, showed some good depth at a lot of key positions and. Like I said, I believe it's going to get better. Saw just a couple of flashes from Trace Ford. I think, you know, and he's only practiced like twice this whole spring. So um, I think he's going to he's gonna help that mix at defensive end, edge. Bothroyd looked good, just like we would expect. Um, yeah, I, all in all, pretty solid day defensively. I would say the only thing that, you know, when you look at the defense's performance that, was frustrating is Sawchuck scores wide open, right? Uncovered. Yeah. And then Blake Smith catches it with the club, which by the way, 
well done, man. <laughs> well done. But you give up, you give up two touchdowns on complete busts defensively. And that just, those, those things cannot happen. They cannot happen. So that was about the only thing defensively that I wrote down that was, you know, a big frustration point for me. Yeah. Yeah. They schemed some of those things and, and did a pretty good job with it. Lebby did, um, you know, they had the one pick route, the swing screen where Kip Lewis got, got knocked off there. Um, it's a rub that, Teddy. It's not yeah. a pick. It's a rub little rub play down there. Um, yeah. Some of that stuff, I guess, I guess I, maybe I just expect it from some of the younger guys and I don't get upset until it's live bullets, but you're right. That is actually one of those plays that we've seen quite a bit over the last couple of years. And it's just an awareness thing. It's an experience thing. And, you know, whenever you're like really worried about, am I lined up in the right place and who do I cover? You don't have a whole lot of awareness as to some of the other little nuanced things that the offense is going to try to do to you. That stuff comes with time, but you're right. Um, a couple of those plays were, were some frustration moments. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on to what we saw from the offense and let's just go position by position, starting with quarterback. Dylan Gabriel, 11 to 17, all three touchdowns he had were wide open. Uh, we mentioned, you know, the busts on the, on the touchdown passes to Sawchuck and Blake Smith. The one to Farouk was actually uh, a little, a little more interesting than that. They fake the quick, right? And then Farouk goes like he's blocking the guy, grabs the corner by the shoulders and slingshots himself by him. <laughs> and they throw it to him. And I wasn't – I'm not sure I've ever seen a guy slingshot a DB like that. I, I've seen it, – it's almost like an offensive lineman engaging a defensive lineman and then throwing him and getting out for a screen. I, I'm not sure I've seen – I don't even know. Is that against the rules? I don't know. The ball's in the air. It's against the rules. I, I don't think the ball was in the air yet. I think he slingshot the balls up and then yeah. I – if that's legal, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a nice little play. They did it what would they what was the play right before that? Cuz it somewhat built into the play before it, didn't it? Or they were maybe they were just going fast. Yeah, I think they're uh, just I Listen, man. Don't don't test my memory like that. I'm not I ain't got it like that. Yeah, well, they had cuz they got them all messed up. They start they had Farouk in the backfield, I think. Maybe it was the the play before. I I can't remember, but yes, it was it was a nice play design. A couple of those were really nicely designed. Yeah, I I did think Dylan Gabriel looked faster running the football. Right? I thought he was moving really well, but as was the case a year ago, he missed some throws. Had the had the interception on the deep ball right that Bowen picked off. I thought the ball fluttered on him a little bit. Yeah, on that throw. Now it was windy and it was, it was just the conditions were not ideal, right? For the deep ball game, but it looked like he made up his mind that he was throwing that no matter what, right? Look, looked rather predetermined, right? Trying to yeah. push it down the field to Andrew Anthony, but 
He also, you know, early in the game, he had the missed. There should have been another touchdown. Then he missed on that fourth and goal play, right? Bunkley Shelton standing on the end line. He's open and he sails it over his head on a fourth down play. So it wasn't, it wasn't perfect from DG, but I feel like, I feel like, you know what the floor is with him, but then you compare that to some of the glimpses we saw from Jackson Arnold, Ted. And that's why it seems like there is a, uh, as predicted, there's an interesting, interesting conversation developing amongst the fan base. Yeah. Well, the way I always put it is the experience Dylan Gabriel has, like you just can't just can't recreate that. Like you said, you know where the floor is. He has limitations. Um, Jackson Arnold does not have the experience, but does not have the limitations, right? More athletic, um, has a big arm, can create, can do things on the run. Yeah, it's you just don't know. There's there's more of a risk. It there's a there's a higher risk, higher reward with Jackson Arnold right now. And who knows what happens as as they continue to practice more, scrimmage more, maybe even get into the season and have a package or two to where he can get out there and get some action in live bullets and you can evaluate how he makes real time decisions. So yeah, man, I I I'm not shocked that the conversation is taking place. I, I believe we warned everyone that there were going to be a couple moments. Yep. Right. And, and there were, you got to let the touchdown run to start the game. Stan, <laughs> what are we doing? Hey, the highlight is still there. You know, that's true. You just create, just act as if it was, uh, if was it called back? But I, I think that was a, that was a good display of the athleticism. He's got like the dude can run. I mean, he can absolutely run, but Jackson Arnold, he he didn't look, what's the best way to put it? He didn't look like he was having a ton of fun behind that patchwork second offensive line. Yeah. That that didn't look like that. an enjoyable experience. Now, there were some throws, even when he was working with that group, where you know, he gets his feet set, he's throwing it all the way out to the sideline, and you can just see how it comes out of his hand, and you just love seeing that right? How the ball travels when he lets it rip, but this is going to sound weird. I thought he took some good sacks. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, where things just, everything breaks down and sometimes a young quarterback, you'll panic because no sacks are viewed as a negative play all the time. Sometimes taking the sacks, the right football play. And, And I thought that there are a couple where he could have got the ball out. There are a couple where, okay, I, I completely agree with the decision that he made, but I just don't know how much we learned in a lot of his reps with how quickly stuff was collapsing on him. But then we got the moment, man. That ball to Gavin Freeman down the middle of the field. Not a lot of guys in college football that can make a throw like that, make it look as easy as he did. Right? I know a lot of people, oh, a ton of people can make that throw. No, they can't. There's just not a lot of guys that can make it look the way that that one looked. So I thought that that play, it was a great representation of what that guy can be. That was a hell of a throw. Yeah. 
Well, I thought the two point play was also a great representation of him. Oh boy. You know, scrambling out to the right, a little bit of a scramble drill. Receiver sits it down back there on the inline, and he hits him. He's running to his right and throws it at a at a sitting target and hits him right where he needs to. Dropped, but still, uh, it shows the skill level that he's got. That's a high level throw. It's not easy down there in all that traffic. And by the way, a beautiful goal line designed by Jeff Levy. Yep. Jaden Gibson's wide open. Got to catch the ball, man. Got to yep. catch the ball. You got anything else on the quarterbacks? No. Running backs. First of all, shout out to DeMarco Murray. Still got it. Still got it. Could not have looked more comfortable catching all those punts. Dude was just smooth. Never even had to like. Uh, Didn't even take the headset off. I know. It's like he just willed the football into his hands. He never even had to move. You know, it just came like perfectly to him. The gravitational pull of DeMarco Murray. That's right. I actually, that was fun though. That was a fun, fun little activity there towards the end of the spring game. Okay. Gavin Sawchuk had the touchdown catch, which if he can catch balls out of the backfield like that, looks soft. It looks like he has soft hands. Like all that, that can be, that can be something that, that Jeff Levy builds on right with, with this offense, but only had 16 yards rushing, but, this is going to sound stupid. I uh, didn't have a ton of space to work, and I really liked what I saw from him. No no chunk runs, but he just he looked balanced. He looked good. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about how do you look in pass pro, which it looked like a lot of those, it's even hard to evaluate the running backs in pass protection as the entire pocket was like <laughs> totally collapsed on top of the running backs and the quarterback. As I went through and kind of graded it as I normally do, there were a few like I I, I don't even know what to what do I even say here? <laughs> yeah. Good, good try. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I think that that's gonna be whether it's Sawchuck, Tawi Walker, uh, Javante Barnes, right? He's still got a long way to go as a pass protector, uh, Smothers and Hicks. Like it that's going to be something that they're going to have to work on. And I guarantee you this, what I know about DeMarco Murray, he's not putting you out there if you can't pass protect. Yep, He's quite possibly the best pass protecting running back I played with at any level. So if you can't pass protect, you are not going to play. So I, I got faith that DeMarco will get him right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how much we learned, especially uh, with the running backs that were getting a lot of reps with that patchwork second O line. But I, I did think Tawi Walker, it seems like he's going to have a role on this team, being like the physical short yardage back. Like he's just tough to bring down. Man, now he he may want to learn to hurdle. Reggie Pearson sawed him off about four times. Yeah. It's really the only way you could tackle him, right, is to try and cut one of his legs off. But, yeah, I agree with you, and I know DeMarco loves him. Every time I'm around DeMarco and ask him how the guys are looking, he he just raves about Tawi. Yeah. Caleb Hicks, and give the guy some credit playing with the sprained ankle. You could see see the spat on his leg, but I thought he showed some toughness playing through that. Uh, really not concerned with what I saw on Saturday. 
because of what we've seen in some of the scrimmages and some of the practices throughout the spring, but he just, he needs to get healthy, he needs to get healthy. Uh, pr- and probably will think twice about hurdling from now on because <laughs> yeah. he jumped and took a helmet straight to the nuts. Yeah. Usually, usually it only takes once, right? I, I think I'll think about it next time. Definitely. They'll <laughs> definitely think about it next time, but I, I'm still excited for, for what he could be. We asked, we asked Venables, you know, before the spring game guys that had really exceeded expectations. And he mentioned three names, Caden Green, uh, Josiah Wagner and Caleb Hicks. So I, I think Hicks is, he's off to a really good start in his career. And then Dalen Smothers playing with the cast on one hand. Once again, respect being out there playing with the cast. Had a really, really nice run late in the game. You know, flashed some of his potential on that run. Did like some of the suddenness I saw from him in, in some of the tight spaces. But just overall, the run game was, ugh. Uh, I mean, counter. Counter was pretty much dead on arrival every time they ran it. Yeah. It, especially with that second group. So, I don't... I don't know what to take away from that, man. I, I just, I, I really don't. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. There weren't a lot of opportunities. I think, um, was, was that nice run that he had late, like kind of a one back power look. Is that what he got? Yeah. That and on? he had like the spin and then the second spin. It was nice. It was a really nice run. Like you yeah. could see that's one where you go, okay. All right. I, that gets me excited. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I thought, Thought all the backs, considering what they had to work with, I thought they looked fine. Thought they looked good. I think we've got plenty of depth to pick from. I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know at this point um, who's going to get the most carries next year. I guess I would still, for uh, for lack of, of of not having enough information yet, probably still go with Javante Barnes. But I think Tawi, I think Sawchuk, I think either one of the young guys. Uh, could see plenty of action. I think we got some good depth there. Yeah, we'll see. Big summer for that group. Wide receivers, Farouk, right? We we talked about the touchdown catch. Nice little concept there. But other than that, really, very, very quiet from them, right? And you go through and watch it, did not get, a ton of separation and maybe that's that's something to be excited about when it comes to the secondary but guy had one catch I, that's once again I'm not going to get too concerned about it right with with how vanilla levy kept things in in the passing game but I just don't know I did my hope is that he becomes that guy but I just I, I'm kind of at the point where I'm going to need to see it before I believe it yeah I think there's some truth to that. Um, you know, I was at one of the scrimmages that they had. It wasn't the spring game, but was, uh, you know, just a, a routine scrimmage through the spring. And he had like three really nice catches in the back quarter of the end zone. And I was like, okay, he's he's rounding uh, into form here. This looks like a, a the guy making catches like he's the he's going to be the leading wideout. So uh, I've seen some of the flashes, but you know, other times, whether it's 
you know, you know, because of the offensive line situation that we saw or whatever it may be, just kind of fades into the uh into the group at times, right? Yeah. We'll see, man. Andrew Anthony saw some of the speed. Uh, Kendall Dobley tackled him, or else he would have had a long touchdown catch there. But yeah, just another guy quiet. Drake Stoops, couple of catches. We, I feel like we know what we're going to get from Drake, but I will say that first play, the double pass, all he has to do is touch it up. All he has to do is Load do it. exactly what he did against Tech when Dylan Gabriel got destroyed. We needed that, yeah. and it's a touchdown, right? It's a touchdown to start the spring game, but not going to get too worked up. <laughs> too worked up about that one but yeah that that starting group Farouk Anthony and, and Drake Stoops we really we didn't see much from them. yeah yeah uh tough conditions and didn't have a whole lot of great opportunities and, and you're right is it do we worry about that or do we say good job by the defense I've come a long way not necessarily sure but um, I still feel feel good that Farouk and Andrew Anthony working on opposite sides is going to be a good little one-two combination this year. And I'll say this, though. We still need the young guys to step up. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's Jaden Gibson. That's Nick Anderson. That's Gavin Freeman. And Gavin Freeman, the awesome play on the touchdown, right? He, when, when you when you sit down and watch it, like he plays, I think the argument can be made that he plays the fastest of any of the wide receivers, right? Yep. When you're just watching it on tape, Jaden Gibson, uh, probably a day you'd like to forget. A uh, couple drops, you know, the one early in the game, that would have been a tough catch on the fourth down, but got to make plays, man. And then, of yep. course, that drop to win it. <laughs> That hurts, man. You lose out on some Jordans and some other swag. That hurts. Yeah. That hurt. That just, those are plays you got to make. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing that we've been, been waiting on is, is the consistency from him. And, you know, this is, that's just a snapshot. It's a spring game. It's perhaps not indicative of the entire spring, but that's kind of been the, the constant thing that we've heard it has to be more consistent, has to make more plays in practice has to be more dependable and you know that was a good opportunity to show that and unfortunately couldn't come down with some of those but I still think he's got a, a really high ceiling just got to really you know grind and and start to make those plays whenever the opportunities show up because you know you get a lot of, op of opportunities early and when you don't capitalize on them, you start to get fewer and fewer and fewer, and it becomes more and more difficult to impress and to get on the field. So it's just the nature of the beast that the clock is ticking. Yep. Didn't even see Nick Anderson, right? Tight hammy. Seems like it's one, one issue after another with that guy. If he could ever just stay healthy for a stretch, Maybe we'd have a better understanding of what he could be as a player. And then you know, DJ Graham made some plays, right? The catch and fake spin. Nice. That was one of the good. highlights of the day, but as exciting as it was and as good as he looked doing it, it was against a corner I've never even seen. Yeah. So 
I, I don't know what to take away from that as well. You know, you know what I mean? But we'll see uh, DJ clearly. He's got to have a great summer to work himself in, into the mix after after making the position switch. He's got to stay healthy, right? Guys had had several, you know, lower body issues since he's been here. So he's he's got to get all that figured out. Uh, tight end wise, not much, right? Stogner had one catch. Now Blake Smith and Josh Fanul. Yeah. Is that what we're going with? Yep. They both had touchdowns, but you know, stood next to Llewellyn and, and Caden Helms there for a while on the sideline. Those guys look great in jerseys, got size. Need those guys to get healthy, right? Yeah, need those guys to make some serious progress in the summer, or else you got to go get out, get a guy out of the portal. You you just you have to be more athletic at tight end, right? Is is much fun as it was watching Blake Smith run down the field, right, and catch that with the club on his hand. I we need more talented tight ends. I I don't know what what else to say. Like we we need some guys that can be difference makers, whether that's ass kickers in the run game, or that's guys that are legit pass threats uh, in the throw game. But we. They got to go find some guys yeah. or these young guys really need to come along. Yep. Are we worried with how banged up we are? Yes. I mean, I, I guess when I obviously worried about it, but I mean, are we worried about how we got to be so banged up? Like what are these guys missing all spring with? I don't know. Like, I get it when you when you had something happen during the season and you got to get cut on right after the season. That's that's one thing. Okay, right? A, a, a postseason surgery happens, right? Phys- football is a very physical game, but, man, did you ever miss any spring ball? I never missed one practice my entire time at Oklahoma. Yeah, and the only time they held me out, I broke my hand in a fight in spring ball. <laughs> Right. So that not, you can you can tell how seriously I was taking it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, things happen. I understand that, but I don't know. Seems like they happen to the same guys over and over and over. You know, Marcus Major out. Anderson, second spring game in a row, out. Um it's just it's a lot of guys banged up. I don't know what it is, and because it, it's not, I think they're they're injuries that aren't major, but they're not minor enough to play through. I just I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it I, seems like an issue. It it seems like a ton of guys missed multiple practices throughout spring. Trace Ford. I think he practiced like twice. I don't know what he had. Ethan Downs missed a ton of practice. Don't know what he had. Um, it's just there's a bunch of guys missing a bunch of football. Yeah. I'd prefer they miss less. Yeah. I'd prefer they not miss any. Try. But, hey, man, I, I don't know. Okay, offensive line. So, let's just get this out of the way. The second group. Caleb Schaefer's playing tackle. He's a guard. Playing out of position because he has to because of the numbers. 
Josh Bates really struggled at guard. Guy's a center. Did not look comfortable at all. Now, and there's no doubt. Got to get stronger. He's young, but guy playing out of position. Did not play well. Uh, Nate Anderson is struggling, man. I mean, he's struggling. I, I don't know what else to say uh, about Nate. Uh, Aaron Parks, credit to that guy. Playing through a high ankle sprain. So you look at that second group of offensive linemen. What's the best way to put this? Those guys aren't going to play. If those guys are playing, we're in trouble. That's your, and it's, you're going to have a very similar conversation at any school in the country. I, I don't think they're maybe Bama or Georgia, like maybe they go 12 deep along the offensive line, but I, I don't think that's, I don't think there's any offensive line coach out there that's going, oh, yeah, I feel really good about my third string tackles. Yep. Now, maybe there are, but I'm not going to get too worked up about that. But Schaefer, he's got to get in better shape. He's going to be a guard. We'll see if they can help, uh, if he can challenge for some snaps at one of the guard spots. But other than that, you know, Bates needs to be a redshirt guy. And he needs he needs a full year of just grinding with Schmitty in the weight room and working on his technique. Right? Nate Anderson, I guys never played a snap here. It's just the truth. What's it? He was like the he was our top recruit two years ago. Yeah. Sometimes three years ago. Sometimes the it, it's hard to project offensive linemen. Yeah. Sometimes, right? Especially when they come in really light like Nate did. So I mean, that second group, yeah, it was tough to watch, right? It was tough to watch. But those guys, for the most part, like those guys should not be playing. Now, you hope they improve, right? You want to build depth. I understand that. But it just is what it is. I know there are a lot of fans going, what the hell is going on? But, yeah, those guys, except for Schaefer, now may, hey, maybe Josh Bates ends up being your backup center. But, in fact, he probably will be. But, yeah, I, I'm not going to get too worked up over the way that a bunch of guys that aren't going to play played. I, I don't know if that – I don't know what that says about me, but it, it just kind of well, is right. what it is. It's right. That's why it, that's why it made it difficult to evaluate the number one defensive line and really the number one defense overall. Um, because of that, you know, it's like, well, of course they look great. That's, that's kind of where I was at with my, my analysis of the interior defensive line play that first group. I was like, guys aren't going up against anybody. I just wait, wake me up, wake (laughs) wake me up when they're playing a good old line. That's kind of where I'm at with it. But when you look at the first team offensive line, Thought Andrew Rame, McCade Matoyer, and Tyler Guyton did some good things. Thought those guys threw the played the played the best out of that first group. Thought Rame was was solid in the middle. I, I did like Matoyer seemed to come off the ball with a little more violence, uh, playing good. with a little more uh, to him, which which I like seeing. Thought he thought he battled well. Thought he was more balanced in pass protection, leaning less, getting pulled less. 
than what I saw from a year ago. Now, that being said, weren't going against the starting defensive line. So it's, you know, it's probably a little bit of both, right? Guyton, he just shows some flashes of excellence. Uh, I mean, excellence, but he needs to get there. He needs to be more consistent, right? I, I think he can finish blocks better in the run game. And I've noticed something he'll randomly, you know, when he goes to throw his punch, sometimes he feels like he's beat when he's not. And it'll cause him to reach a little too much with his punch and it'll freeze his feet. And that will in turn, he just swivels right. And creates a shorter edge. Now, sometimes he can, he can get away with it because he has such good length, right. And he can push the guy by, but sometimes a guy like Bothroyd, who's polished, a guy like our Mason Thomas, right, who can bend like that. Those guys are going to take advantage of that if you if you have that type of breakdown with your feet, right? That's that's the thing for an offensive lineman. That's how you get beat. Everyone thinks it's the hands, it's the upper body. No, no, no. It's it's your base, it's your feet, it's your legs and your hips. And that that's where you can get in the most trouble. So he's got to fix that. I'm going to call it a hitch. He's got to fix that. And if he does, he should be he should be an All American. He should be in. He he should be Big Twelve Offensive Lineman of the Year. Like the this guy's the limit for that dude. Um, Savion Bird. I don't know how many times I got to say it. Too light. Got walked back. Got walked back in pass protection multiple times. Didn't have the force at the point of attack that we saw from him in the bowl game. And I'm convinced it's because he's so light. You have to be, there are very few human beings on the planet that can play offensive line in the two eighties. The, the list is Jason Kelsey. And that's the list. (laughs) Like you have to be an incredibly dynamic, athletic, explosive dude to play that light. And you got to be strong as shit. They're almost always centers too, right? Yeah. Like, like Rayola, I think he was high two eighties, maybe two ninety. But it yeah. takes a dude. You got to be a rare breed to get away with that. Mm-hmm. And Savion Bird's not that. Now he's extremely gifted, but if he doesn't add the weight back, he's gonna find himself on the sideline. Bill ain't gonna put up with it. He's not. He he he's not gonna let a guy go out there and get pushed around. It's just a, he will, I mean, play Schaefer. So he's got to get that figured out, man. Because I, w- I was so excited about that bowl game and about what could he be, what he could be. And like, you just lose 30 pounds out of nowhere and no one really knows why you did it. Like what happened? I mean, it's got to get figured out. Bottom line, bottom line camp. You cannot be that light. And it showed, right? He's yep. going up against, I mean, Isaiah Coe is walking him backwards. And Coe's a strong dude, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, if you want to be a guy at guard, you got to you gotta take it seriously. And the first thing, he's got to, it, it seems like he's gotten a lot of things figured out, right? Got to get the weight figured out. Bottom line, that's it. Yeah. Well, hopefully it does because um I this season is one thing, but next season in the SEC, 
Like every guard in that conference is going to be probably 320 pounds, you know, and defensive line is going to be, it's going to be the same, going to be a lot bigger individuals. Yeah. So my hope is that this issue goes away. And, and as a result of that, he gets a little more strength. He gets a little more velocity and, and co- like some confidence. But like they ran counter that left side, right? And Savion Bird's not denting it at all. And I know I sound like I'm being harsh, but he's going against the second defensive line. So, I mean, it's just he's he's got to figure it out. Got to figure it out or else that – or else that'll be an issue. Caden Green, a little up and down, man, but he's a true freshman out there in his first spring game. Now, I'm not really even worried about it, right? Had some bad plays, but he's so far ahead of what I thought he was going to be, especially at tackle. I, I feel like they've got a lot of confidence in him. And you know, once again, BB said he was the he was the number one guy that exceeded expectations on the offense. Yeah. So Going back to what we said about Savion Bird, I mean, if if Caden Green could have a really good summer with what he's shown so far, if Rouse can come back, be healthy, be ready to go at left tackle, maybe he's a he's a real factor at left guard for this team as a true freshman. I mean, I, I like the way he battles, man. I like the way he battles. Yeah, which is interesting. You know, like, I would imagine that going from tackle down to guard like if that does happen uh this year this this fall like learning it out at tackle first and then being able to move into guard i think probably is a would help his progression a lot as a young guy right getting that that base in at tackle before you move to the interior yeah but that's that's all i got you got anything to add for the offense no no i thought all in all you know, considering the offensive line stuff, I thought some guys looked really good. I thought, I thought Jackson Arnold, that last little bit where we got to see him go with that the number one offensive line, who got him sacked twice in the first two plays. I wanted to. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and he he threw a couple of really nice balls. Didn't complete all of them, but still threw some really nice balls. Looked really good out there, man. I thought thought that was kind of the highlight of the day. Is Jackson Arnold's a real deal? Yeah, here, let's uh, work in a couple call your shots. We asked you guys your number one takeaways from OU spring game. Sean McCarthy says defensive speed, sideline to sideline, look much improved, whether it was transfers or returning players. You agree? I yeah. thought, yeah, I thought they played fast. I, and I think w- one of the big reasons is how much better we are at safety and cheetah. Yeah. Uh, you uh, can't, it's going to be difficult to gain the edge whenever you run to the, the cheetah side. I agree. Okay, and Trevor Engel said three takeaways. Number one, Oklahoma will miss the blocking ability of Willis and Parker at tight end. It's quite the observation right there. I like that, Trevor. Number two, Oklahoma really needs to find a one to two large bodies in the transfer portal at D-Tackle. Could not agree more with that. Trevor, is he's two for two so far, Ted. And number three, the defense looks faster overall, and we may get our best safety play since the early 2000s. Whoa. I'm not going to disagree with any of those things. The only thing I'll say is I we need 
bigger bodies on the defensive line in the transfer portal, just like 115 other Division One programs do. Just like everyone not named Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Yep. 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 Hopefully There's one we can... out there. There's one out there. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can lure a couple of them to Norman. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy fifth birthday to Sayer Doolard. Doolard? Doolard? Doolard. Doolard. Happy 29th birthday to Taylor McCroskey. And happy 36th birthday to Jonathan Hickman. A part of me thinks I typed something wrong. Taylor McCroskey? McCoskey? McCroskey? I don't know. McCroskey? Yeah. I don't know. Happy birthday, Taylor. I don't think I've ever seen McCroskey. Awesome last name, but if it's right, it's probably wrong. (laughs) All right, let's get to our man, Matt Miller. We're talking some NFL draft. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide $0.10 per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch the price drop $0.10 per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and keep any traveler Uh, It can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. It is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. Saw a couple of uh, Oklahoma Breakdown hoodies out in the wild yesterday. It was awesome. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand smashed patties, butter toasted buns. Maybe you're a little thirsty. They've got some ice cold beer. The food is fantastic and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, here is ESPN's Matt Miller. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that has been on a meteoric rise in the NFL (laughs) draft scouting space. Matt Miller from ESPN is in the house. Is it so weird now that I like Matt Miller from ESPN, man, that has that gotten. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah. My friends still mess with me. Like if I hang out with them, they'll be like, Oh, Matt Miller, ESPN. I'm like, guys, stop. (laughs) Like, come on. Like stop that, you know. So yeah, it's still weird. It's probably like you, you know, like when you you play in high school, like you were both standout high school players, and you kind of get known as that guy. And then you're like, oh my god, like they're all Americans at Oklahoma. And then oh my god, they're NFL players, you know. So you kind of go from that, like, you know, if you went and hung out with your buddies from high school, they still think of you just like the dude they played high school ball with, and they're like, ah, oh, wait, he actually he played in the NFL and like he's, he was one of the best college players of his era. So not that I'm on your guys level. I'm not, not putting myself in the, uh, the, the Teddy Lehman Gabe Eichert uh, stratosphere, but you know, it's, it's still weird for sure. The better you do, the harder time you get from your friends, right? Yes. And, or they, did you guys ever get that where they just like, 
you know, the waitress comes around at the end of the night after you've been out with the boys. And she's like, so is this one check? And they just all kind of look at you like, hey, <laughs> you were just on that TV, buddy. You're paying for these beers, you know. Your, so Your uh, face that's, is that's on what TV. You know. That's funny. <laughs> right? All right, man. I hey, I know you are super busy this time of the year. So let's jump into the OU guys before we talk kind of some of the bigger questions in this draft overall. How do you see Anton Harrison? Do you do you think he's a guy that we could possibly see it go in round one if there's a run on tackles early in the draft? Yeah, definitely. I think it would be in that like late 20s range. You could probably start at Dallas at 26. You would say somewhere Dallas to Kansas City wouldn't even surprise me. I know they signed Juwan Taylor. Uh, he's a, you know, traditionally right tackle. We'll see what they what they actually do. Um, it wouldn't surprise me just because I think after, you know, after Peter Skronsky from Northwestern, after Paris Johnson Ohio State, Roderick Jones Georgia, Darnell Wright Tennessee and Darnell's a right tackle only. There's, there's a, I think, a conversation about who's the next best, best tackle, and Anton could, could definitely be in that. You know, he's very athletic. He's very good in the run game. Plays really well out in space. I think the biggest question is just play strength. Can he? Obviously, you can get stronger. Will he get stronger at the next level so that he can hold up a little bit better when he's in the trenches, not so much as a move blocker? So it would not shock me if someone said, "Yeah, the the upside here is tremendous." Let's take him. We got the five years now in order to mold him into a professional offensive tackle. You mentioned the upside. It's kind of interesting, and I don't know if this is necessarily a, a positive. It's not really a negative, but he's young. He's only 21, and like when you kind of compare the beginning of last season to the end of last season and kind of what he did in the Senior Bowl and some of those other things, it's like – He's he's kind of fresh playing elite, you know, so there's not a whole lot of elite film there. So is that how he's viewed kind of almost as a project a little bit more than some of these other guys? Yeah, Teddy, I think a work in progress. I, the one good thing is he hasn't learned a lot of bad habits yet because he is so young. And I, I've talked to one offensive line coach about Anton specifically, and that's I'm stealing his phrasing. He doesn't have a lot of bad habits. So they, you know, they mentioned play strength has got to get better. Core strength has probably got to get better to, you know, hold up against some of those bull rushes and stuff. But, you know, there's, there's so, you know, what, two years, I think of starting experience. So there's a lot of room for him to grow. And uh, again, the athletic foundation is in place. So he's not a guy where you would look at him and say, well, he's got short arms or, oh my gosh, he's, he's so athletically deficient that you're starting to think about maybe we put him on the other side. Maybe we try to, you know, kick him inside to cover up lack of movement. That's not there on his tape. So I do think that that helps him is that you got a young player. Um, you know, the Big 12 is always going to get knocked for defense. You could say, okay, well, he didn't go against great defensive ends, but like TCU's got a couple of pretty good defensive ends. K-State's got a pretty good defensive end. So he, he I think, was a little more battle-tested than he's been given credit for. Looking at Marvin Mims has had a very good pre-draft process, right? Burns the 40 at the Combine. Probably, you know, I, I think undoubtedly a day two guy, but you know, yeah. where do you, where do you see Marvin fitting in the league? Like how do you view his role and where do you think he may come off the board? Yeah, I think his role is really easy to define because of his size. You know, he's going to get typecast as an inside player. I do think he has shown enough speed and ability to separate the line of scrimmage despite being small that you could envision him playing in an outside role a little bit, depending on the team that he goes to. But I mean, we're talking about one of the most productive high school players ever at wide receiver, especially in the state of Texas. Uh, someone who immediately got to OU was productive. I, I think the hard thing is where do you slot him in? Because it is a very 
deep class of small wide receivers. You know, there's not a lot of big dudes in this class. So there are a lot of guys that play a lot like Mims. And I think uh, I had a, a conversation on Twitter maybe last week with someone and they were asking about him. I said, you know, the feedback you get from teams is the play strength is really, really poor. You know, he's going to struggle against press. He's going to struggle to win contested catches, but he's so slippery in space. And he's, you know, he's a good route runner. Uh, we've seen wide receivers come out of that scheme and have NFL success. So it's not like he's, you know, completely out on an island here, but it sounds like it might be more round three than round two, which does surprise me. I think there's going to be players drafted ahead of him that didn't have their production, maybe didn't have, you know, a similar 40 time or a similar combine performance. But I, I think I like him uh, more than a lot of the people in the NFL do that I talk to. And um, maybe that's because it's easier to find when you're scouting for 32 teams, it's easier to find a role for a guy, you know, whereas if you're scouting specifically for, the Dallas Cowboys, you might say, oh, like we kind of got a guy like that already. So, you know, he's lower on our board, but um, I find a lot of fits for him. Like, I mean, if you're the Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, the last time we saw him play, he's yelling at the quarterback. Gabe Davis is good for a drop or two a game. Like if you can get Marvin Mims at the, the bottom of two, if you're Buffalo, I, I think he's immediately your third best receiver and somebody that puts another dynamic in your offense. This is more of a general question, but I think it, it ties in pretty good with Mims. I, it's just kind of a, a seems like an observation, and I don't know what the data says. I feel like size at wide receiver is not nearly as big of a factor as it used to be, and maybe it's because of you can't get blown up over the middle like you used to, and uh, maybe you know you can't get hand checked and stuff down the field. Is that something that you've seen? Does that check out? Yeah, definitely, and I think also teams in the NFL are starting to adapt to spacing you know they just want to get athletes out in space it's a little bit like the college game the nfl actually followed that up like let's find a way to get these fast guys the ball out in space i think you know philadelphia does a really good job of that with devonta smith kansas city obviously some kind of an architect of that as well i think san francisco san francisco plays their guys tight but it's all about hey let's get them the ball on the go and so i think you can have smaller wide receivers have success and so it's all about and I, one of these days, this is going to happen and it's going to change football. When scouting and coaching get on the same page and the scouts say, hey, here's what Marvin Mims is good at. Here's what he's not good at. And the coaches say, cool, we're just going to ask him to do the stuff he's good at then because he's really good at it. So we'll just do that. You know, we'll just we'll run some vertical stuff. You know, we'll we'll, you know, kind of get some space and go on some combo routes so that, you know, maybe he's not getting pressed at the line of scrimmage a ton. We're going to do some pre-snap motion and we're going to just let this dude fly. It, if coaching ever, if those two sides of the building ever talk, we're in for a, just a monumental change. Whoever does it first is going to be, you know, it'll be like the New England Patriots in the 2000s. That's that's so good. Everyone All right, a couple more OU guys. guys. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple more OU guys. A Eric Gray, very productive season in, in 2022. Yeah. And then you look at Wanye Morris, uh, has the measurables, probably doesn't yeah. have the consistency on tape that you're looking for when you look at Eric and Wanye, who, who do you think is going to come off the board first between those two guys? Ooh. Man, I'm going to take Wanye. I actually am a fan of his and I, I don't know that I was in season, but it post season film study, I became a bigger fan. And I think there's, you know, there's obviously swing tackle versatility. I think he could play either side, but man, he moves really well for a, for a powerful dude. He moves really well. So, you know, like you said, there's the, you know, I think inconsistent tape, there's an injury uh, question mark as well, but I'm a fan of his and think that he could be a starting right tackle in the NFL, maybe not rookie year, but I think somebody you're looking at him of like, dude, this guy could be a, he could be a starter in the pros. And there, there are a lot of good teams 
that need a right tackle, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers are the two that come to mind immediately that they're probably not going to spend a first-round pick on a guy, but if it's round three and you're getting into those compensatory picks, I think that's a really good range for him. So I'll take Wanye. Eric Gray, I mean, you know, four-star running back, stud coming right out of high school, goes to Tennessee, has, you know, an impact. Transfers to OU has an impact. So the production's great. I worry about the mileage a little bit. And I think in this running back class, what we're going to find is there are a lot of dudes that are really similar. There's a lot of those guys that are like sub six foot, sub 215, who are quick, like they're shifty. You know, they got a little bounce to their game. Uh, and, you know, Gray fits into that mold. So I think what, what's going to happen is we're going to see guys who have, you know, a little bit less mileage on their tires, like a Dwayne McBride, you know, uh, from UAB as a player who's probably going to go ahead of Eric Gray, even though Eric did it at Tennessee and Oklahoma. He's got the pedigree, but some of these other guys are a little bit more fresh coming out of college, and I think that's going to help. How about Braden Willis? Uh, you know, played a huge role in Oklahoma's offense, tied in, yeah. H-back guy, did all kinds of stuff, split out was a ISO uh, blocker on the inside. I mean, he did all kinds of stuff. He even took snaps at quarterback for Oklahoma. Right. What do you think about Braden Willis? I mean, it's I know he doesn't stick out really in size and athleticism, but the guy can do a little bit of everything. Man, I just finished writing up my notes on him last night. Uh, I try to get like 60 seconds of talking points about every player just, you know, for, for television purposes. And I love Braden Willis. I wish fullbacks were still a thing. And, and I do think he'll find a role in the NFL because, like you mentioned, Teddy, he can play everywhere. I mean, he played Wildcat quarterback. You move him all over. So, you know, I think I wrote in my notes, he's like the Taysom Hill of fullbacks. You know, it's just you're going to find a spot for him. He's going to play special teams for you. Um, so I, I do think he'll get drafted. It might be round, you know, five, six because as you said, like the athletic profile doesn't wow you, but he had a great senior bowl week. And that was really like the top line of my notes was, hey, like remember how much you loved this guy at the senior bowl because he caught the ball so well, watching him in pass pro, like he's working his tail off, you know, in one-on-one drills. And really like they put him in some uncomfortable situations where it wasn't stuff that he was asked to do consistently, like, you know, blocking space, like you're essentially a fullback. He handled that so well. And then you add in, you know, what he does as a short area receiver, um, I think we're starting to see, and you guys will love this, the game go back to like a little bit more power football because you got 215-pound linebackers and seven DBs out there. It's like, hey, uh, we're just going to load up and run the ball at you, a lot like Philly did last year. So I, I think a, a smart team is going to grab Braden Willis, and he's going to play for 12 years because he can do so many different things. How crazy is this quarterback thing going to get in this draft, Matt? I can't figure it out. I will be completely honest with you guys because we've been friends a long time. Uh, right before I came on with you, I was texting uh, a scout friend. We've been friends since I started in like 2011. And he's plugged in. He knows a lot. And I was like, okay, Bryce Young is going first. I think we all feel really, really good about that. We have n- uh, no one knows what's going to happen at two. If, until Adam Schefter says it, I don't think I'm going to believe that anyone actually knows what's going to happen at two because who knows what's, you know, in Houston, you've got, an owner that's very involved in Cal McNair. You got a GM and Nick Casario who's on his fourth head coach. How much power does he still have left? And then you got a legend in D'Amico Ryan's coming in as head coach, and he's bringing all his San Francisco buddies. I don't know who's making the pick. So if we knew who kind of had control of the card, you might be able to say, okay, like, you know, D'Amico could say, hey, I played at Alabama and was pretty good. There's this Alabama defensive end that's pretty good. We'll just We'll just start there. But – if it's the owner, they could say, we need a face of the franchise. We need a quarterback. And they could take C.J. Stroud. So it is the 
and I'm not saying this just because like ESPN televises the draft and I want people are going to watch whether we know who the number two pick is or not, but there is legitimate intrigue about what will happen. And I thought the draft would start at three with the Arizona Cardinals. It doesn't like it starts at two with Houston because I can't find anyone in Houston or outside of Houston who will say confidently what they're doing. The last thing I've got is Anthony Richardson. I I have I have no idea what's going to happen with this guy. The measurables <laughs> are absolutely insane, but the evaluation is all over the map from from guys, and and understandably so. Yep. Where do you think he gets drafted? What do you think of his his uh, chances in the NFL? Like, what's he going to turn into? I think he could go anywhere from three to eleven, which I know is a gigantic range, but. You know, we'll see if somebody gets, you know, antsy and trades up for a quarterback. A lot depends on what happens at number two if C.J. Stroud goes there. Anthony has an unlimited ceiling. I mean, if in if in three years we're talking about he's on the level with Mahomes and Burrow, you know, Josh Allen, if he's up there, I will not be shocked at all. If in three years we're talking about him struggling as a you know starter, I also wouldn't be surprised. I think the situation matters. And I find it interesting. A lot of people say, He's only played 13 games he needs to sit. I remember saying this about Trey Lance, who played about 13 games in college. I was like, my guy doesn't need to sit. He needs to play football. Like the, the only way to get better at football is to play football. So I think for Anthony, it should be similar to Josh Allen. And I don't know if you got – people forget how rough that first year was for Josh in Buffalo where he's like throwing passes into the stands at times. But Anthony needs to get out there and play. And the only way I think to learn is to dive all in. Yeah. Yeah, so – you know, get out there, get out there and play, and it's going to be a bumpy road. But to me, and I mean, you guys can speak to this at a much better level than I can. I think the only way to get better at football is to play football. That that is something we agree on. Now, I, I think one of the <laughs> the most entertaining things in the draft, or something that people are very interested in, is the guy that's going to go earlier than people think, and then the guy that's going to go later than people think. Do you have? Do you have a guy or two that you think could maybe be available longer than people think? And then a guy that may go earlier than a lot of people think. Yeah. I think Tyree Wilson from Texas tech to stay in our little neck of the woods is going to, he could go three to the Arizona Cardinals and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. He has a lot of fans because the size and measurables pass rush win rate was actually higher than, than Will Anderson. So there's a lot of you know analytics that say Tyree Wilson is going to be a dude. It's a lot like Trevon Walker going over Aiden Hutchinson last year, where it's you're talking about where they'll be at the end of their rookie contract, not where they are right now. So he would be my go earlier. Um, go later, gosh, there are so many of them. I think Will Levis could fall a little bit. That's the one I have a hard time with. If he doesn't go four to the Indianapolis Colts, I have a really hard time finding a spot for him because there's not a lot of excitement. And that might mean that the team that likes him is just being really quiet right now and they're not – they're not shouting it from the rooftops to guys like me, but it, it's getting harder to find a spot for Levis. So four to the Colts, maybe seven to the Raiders. But it after that, it's like, I don't know that Will Levis and Mike Vrabel are, are the kind of guys that get along because they're both, you know, kind of type A, you know, kind of hard-headed guys. Maybe that's maybe that's exactly what Will Levis needs is Mike Vrabel. But after that, it, it, gets, it gets tough, man. All right, last one, rapid fire. Cowboys at 26, Chiefs at 31. If you were in those spots with the, what those rosters are right now, who are you taking for each of those teams? A lot of fans of those teams listen to this pod. Yeah, so I would take Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, 
it's Jason Witten all over again. Like, it's just the guy doesn't drop a ball ever. Great blocker. And you let Dalton Schultz walk, which I think was a good decision. 31, Kansas City. I'm going to go wide receiver. I think Quentin Johnston from TCU. I'm not intentionally picking Big 12 uh, guys here, I promise. But I think Quentin Johnston gives them something they don't have. Six foot three. Uh, the pro day time was was a little slow. He's a four four guy. There's some some focus drops on tape, but I think that's a timing issue more than a hands issue. So uh, give Mahomes that big target over the top. You know you got speed all over the place. Give him a big target down the field. Matt, you're the man. I I would dive into how good Malik Murphy looked in Texas's spring Ooh. game if we had time, but I know you got to go, man. You're the best. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Hey, I'll come back on in May and we'll break down that spring game. I'm I'm ready. There we go. All right. See you, Matt. See you guys. He, he may be a longhorn man, but he is, he's one of the best in the business. Yep. He's locked in, locked in. I hope some of those, uh, some of those predictions come true on the OU guys. Yeah. I, I imagine guys like Matt are very excited for, for this week to be over. (laughs) A lot of heart, a lot of hard work. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I had to go with Nebraska. 65000 at their spring game. Uh, Matt Rule working the crowd, bringing the the uh, history back around the program. Frank Solich, obviously, was there. Former fullback, former head coach, played in a national. Took him, took the team to a national championship game as as a coach. They ran. Did you see him run that fullback trap. And then the go handed to Solich. That was cool. I watched yeah. the highlights today. That was cool. That was that was really cool. They had the uh, uh, maybe the the biggest, most intricate T-shirt cannon ever made, um, dual minigun style uh, T-shirt cannon, shoots 114 T-shirts in 10 seconds. That was awesome. Uh, it was just cool to see Nebraska with some excitement. And I know that there's been a couple of different things that have happened over the 
uh, you know, past couple of years where they've they've been excited, but I don't know. This feels a little bit different. Not saying it's going to happen right away, but feels like Rule's going to get something accomplished there. Offensive line led the team out of the tunnel. Yeah, uh, just has a good good feeling to it at Nebraska right now. Yeah, and uh, they're they're not in the same conference as OU, right? So it's kind of rooting for him. And I, I love Matt Rule. So I'm rooting for that program. I'm not going to lie. I am stunned you didn't go OU baseball. We were, yeah, we were talking about it during the, during the spring game broadcast. You were kind of rubbing it in Texas's face. I liked it. Well, they beat their ass Friday night. And then <laughs> what were they up on them? Like eight to two or something like that during the spring game. And they had that double header going. So, so that was good. Yeah, o- I should have thrown that in there. OU's first sweep of Texas since 1998 and first wow. ever three-game sweep of the Horns in Austin. And former baseball guy got a statue. That's right. Boy, they needed it, too. They uh, th- yeah. they about came at the right time for them. And maybe that, maybe that gets them hot, you know, as they start to get towards the end of the year. That's, you know. They got hot last year at the right time and had to end up with a good season. So, yeah, I should have thrown that in there as well. Dang it. I glad you brought it up. Normally, I can count on you for that stuff, but maybe maybe not anymore. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Um, Alabama coaching staff and players. Sounds like Saban is unhappy. Those <laughs> quotes after their spring game. I watched his presser on YouTube. Dude. Yeah, if I was one of those quarterbacks. I'd be like, wait, should I just leave now or they're going to crank it up uh, at Alabama over the summer in the training camp? And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's almost the reverse of someone, uh, you know, saying that they're going to go into free agency, not going to sign. I'm going to go into free agency. Like that's basically what he did saying. I'm looking for a transfer uh, portal quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and I I watched the highlights of their spring game. Uh, Simpson and Milrow didn't exactly light it up either. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm starting to get the sense that Nick Saban doesn't like the fact that Kirby Smart and Georgia are the dominant program in college football. I yeah. think it is. Uh, I think it bothers him. Yeah. Well, and that's why I have the coaching staff and players as the loser because it's going to be uh taken out on those guys. It's going to be it's going to be uh as uncomfortable as it already is around there, it's going to be worse. And um I don't know, maybe a little bit of adversity is going to be good for him there um to dig back in a little bit. I know Saban's always always a guy that's on the grind, but um you know, when someone else has it going, you've got to find a way to re- reinvent yourself and let's see what they come up with. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They've got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. Carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick. GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. 
just why they have their lifetime loyalty program. Here's how it works. Buy a new or used vehicle from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. If something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, come on. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Taylor Gooch. First live tournament I paid attention to because I was seeing all the stuff on social media. That crowd there in Australia was nuts. That was cool to see. But, dude. What was it? it Was it uh, Kepka's brother hit the ace and everyone went insane? Oh, did you see? Because they built the stadium around the hole. That was awesome. Yep. Very cool. It was amazing. But. Gooch, Oklahoma's own. Let's go. He he shot now. He shot one over. I think he was one over on you know the on the final round, right? The third round. To but he ends up winning. I think he was nineteen under to win it. He he the first two rounds he went 62-62. Dude was twenty over, or excuse me, twenty under to after two rounds. And I think he had like a ten shot lead. It was all time heater. That's crazy. 62-62 is... No bogeys. That's nuts. Just a heater of all heaters. It was... I, I was watching the highlights of it and then started watching some of it live. I was like, wait, I'm watching live golf. Dude was on fire. It was pretty awesome. Good for him. I'm glad he picked up the win, uh, pick up some nice cash there. Always good to see him doing well, man. Awesome guy. Yeah. We need to get him on the podcast. Yes, Maybe the win. Well, let's reach out. We'll try. Yes. We'll try our best. Last time he was going to come on, but things got interesting. Yeah. He left for live golf. <laughs> like <laughs> right. the night we were supposed to record with him. It was yeah. pretty he's like, Hey man, I'm so sorry. I gotta, I gotta talk to my agent. I was like, huh, that's strange. Okay. But yeah, we'll get him on. And then, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But we'll, we'll work on that. But my winner of the weekend, LeBron James, listen, man, Dylan Brooks, why, why would you tempt? What? Why tempt the basketball gods to spite you? I, I just remember he says LeBron. He's old. Said he pokes bears. Said he doesn't respect LeBron because he hasn't given him forty. Dude, he's one of the best basketball players ever. Just shut up. Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and and I know that. That's kind of Memphis's thing. Now they went from like the most likable team to now everyone's, what is wrong with these guys? But of course, Dylan Brooks does that. And the Grizzlies go to LA and the game was over immediately. I mean, it was 35 to nine at the end of the first quarter. No, well, they wished it would have been over. Dylan Brooks wished it would have been over at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ends up getting ejected. For hitting LeBron in the nuts. And it was it was inadvertent. And he shouldn't have gotten ejected. But once again, 
Don't do not challenge the basketball gods. They will smite you. And I felt like it was just that that's just how it was going to go for Dylan Brooks. There was, he was leaving that game one way or another. Uh, he was, just, he was not going to get to finish that game because of the nonsense he spouted. Like just dude, I, what, what, what are you doing, man? Come on. It's dumb. It cost him a bunch of money. Cost his team the game. Like, the Lakers, they don't need any more motivation. Right. And you keep, just keep handed it to them. Well, here's the thing. I LeBron is one of, some people would argue, the best of all time. But not always a fan favorite. No. And whenever you basically get everyone onto uh, LeBron's side, you've you've done something stupid. Um, the other thing is, I had you not spouted off, you probably wouldn't have gotten ejected for the the shot to the nuts. But that's my other question: is what is with the epidemic of NBA players hitting each other in the nuts? I don't know. Lot, lot, lot of nuts in these games. <laughs> Well, you had Harden get booted for it. Embiid went with a hi-ya kick when he was laying on his back. Got Brooks now. It's I'm like just... watching a bunch of eight-year-olds on the <laughs> nuts, playground. Nuts are getting battered left <laughs> and right in the National Basketball Association. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know. But I know this. A lot of that loss is Dylan Brooks's fault for what he said before the game. Let's not forget. They fell down in that first quarter because that dude could not hit a shot. They left him wide open, and he couldn't hit a damn shot. And, you know, despite John Morant's best efforts, and he was awesome. What did he drop like? He had like 45 and 13 assists. I mean, he was awesome. But they never threatened the Lakers in that game. That thing was over quick. And you just you don't have to do that. Here's all that attention you got. I hope you liked it. Congrats, man. Like, what? Yeah, you want every you want everyone talking about what a bad position the Lakers are in. You don't want to rally anything around them and put the pressure on your team, which is exactly what he did. And two things that really, really bothered me. Number one, I just I do not understand how he got all of us to be cheering for the Lakers and for LeBron. I've never felt the need to cheer for LeBron in my life. And it's not because I'm anti LeBron or anything. It's like, I cheer for the thunder. That's what I do. I respect the hell out of LeBron James. I've said this multiple times. I think he's the best athlete ever. He's incredible, but I've never openly cheered for him. And I was sitting on my couch going, I hope the Lakers whoop their ass, (laughs) which I can guarantee you. I've never done before. And then number two, If you're going to do all that, you're going to miss all those shots. You're going to get kicked out of the game. Don't bail on the reporters after the game like a coward. Good point. Own it. Own it, dude. When you do all of that foolishness and you play terrible and get kicked out of the game for hitting a guy in the nuts, which it is what it like. I, I didn't think it was on purpose or anything like that, but Face the music, dude. Come on, man. What right. are we doing? That's right. I don't want to talk. 
That's all I said. I don't want to talk. Well, the it's probably only best way, for your team if you don't. Well, Congrats. the only way to uh, to go out there and have it not be the story still whenever you play the next game is to go out there, own it, eat it, squash it, swallow it, whatever you want to call it, and uh, move on. Yeah. Now he's got nothing to say. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Guess we know how he's really built. Okay. All right. All right. For my loser of the weekend. I thought about going with there there was a big movement this year, right? And I understand Russell Westbrooks, he's he's had a bit of a rough go of it, right? Since he left Oklahoma City. Bounced around, man. And but there have been a lot of people that say, hey, it's looking like his career is over. Like he could be there's people saying, hey, he may be playing in China next year, right? The guy is he's balling out for the Clippers. Now they're down two one to the Suns, and they're probably not going to win that series, especially this mysterious knee injury that Kawhi has now, but it, Russell Westbrook is not the issue. 37, six and four in that game three, you got Durant and Chris Paul, you know, talking after the game, defending him saying people probably won't appreciate him until he retires. Like there's been a bit of a uh, Russell Westbrook revival here in these last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I love I love seeing it, man. He meant he meant so much to Oklahoma City. I love seeing it. No, nope, I agree with that. Um yeah, it's uh for whatever reason, it's it's been a real rocky road since um uh frankly since he signed the big contract in Oklahoma City. But um you know, the dude a lot of what he's done has uh obviously stands on its own like you don't even have to say any he's got a highlight reel that would you know pretty much rival anyone that's ever played the game so uh incredible talent we'll see what happens a lot of a lot of i was wrong about russell westbrook content on the nba podcast i listened to this week that's which good. is nice yeah. it's nice it's nice that people are owning it unlike dylan brooks come on dylan <laughs> But my loser of the weekend, the Detroit Lions. Four players suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy. Uh, Quintez Cephas and C.J. Moore suspended indefinitely. Gambled on NFL games. I don't know how stupid you can be. Especially after the Calvin Ridley thing. I don't know how you can be that dumb. That's incredible. It's incredible how stupid that is. But. I do want to have a conversation about the Jameson Williams and Stanley Berryhill suspensions. They got suspended for six games. They were placing mobile bets while they were at the Lions practice facility. And they were not, they were not betting on NFL games, right? They're betting on other stuff. And I know what the NFL policy is, right? You're not supposed to gamble when you're at the facility, when you're traveling with the team, I understand that. But you and I both know how much gambling goes on. Maybe not in an official capacity, how much gambling goes on in NFL locker rooms and on those team flights, which I saw this and I was like, why, why is this a big deal? I don't, what am I missing? Why can't they gamble on college basketball or whatever? while they're at the team facility. Cause I think didn't the lines, they have, a, they had to fire a bunch of staffers cause of they were gambling, you know, mobile betting from the facility. Cause that's legal in Michigan. I just, I don't understand 
why it matters. Like they can drive two miles away and send their mobile bets in, but they can't do it while they're at the facility. I just don't get it. Yeah. I, I don't get it for that reason that, that you're the reasons that you just put out there. Um, you could do it as long as you're not at the facility and you can, uh, in that very facility, I watched Dre Bly lose $20,000 playing uh, rock, paper, scissors. So, like, what's worse, you know? <laughs> I mean, come on. I That's dumb. My other part of it is, and I know the guys probably sign on to this, but why are you looking at my mobile data? Right? Yeah. Why why are you sifting through whatever I I don't know. That's the that's the part of it to me that is that's odd. Betting on NFL games can't do it. Just absolute zero tolerance. I totally get that. Right. We we all know why. We don't want guys throwing football games. No, but with how how much the National Football League pushes gambling, right? It's part of broadcast now. There's officially official gambling sponsors, right? They're pushing the mobile bet stuff. What I, I do not understand being, being this rigid about your players doing what everyone else is doing. As long as they're not betting on NFL games, who cares? I guess it's appearances, but I'm with you. No it's- one's going to know if they're mobile betting NBA games. Right? Maybe there's a policy like, hey, don't don't tweet your betting slips if you win or something like that. But I just, I don't know. It feels hypocritical to me. It's how it feels. Well, yeah. And And how about this? So I did a little digging. Jameson Williams, right? First round pick. I, I think everyone in Detroit was very, very excited to see what he could do in year two, right? Because remember, he had the knee injury. He will lose at least $382,906 in salary with that suspension, as well as $6.877 million in guaranteed salary, $5.37 million of which was set to come in 2024 and 2025. Oh my God. Oh, now we'll see that. That's just, I read that in several articles. I was like, am I reading this correctly? And I read it the same way in three different articles. I was like, okay. So what they say now, maybe I I think them violating this, like it voids some of the guarantees in his contract, which the guarantees in your contract. That's the whole cool thing about being a first rounder is you get all this guaranteed money and it's a lot of money. Now, now maybe it's not that extreme, but dude, that's what I read in multiple articles. (laughs) So now I want to know what did Jameson Williams bet on? What was the bet and what, how much was it? Right. Cause remember Calvin Ridley, that's the worst bet of all (laughs) the parlay that cost him all (laughs) that money. This one, this one's going right up there, man. Like, that's so uh, much money. Uh, I I don't know. I would. I think I might quit if I was Jameson Williams. I think I just may say, I'm 
if you guys are not going to because Detroit could probably they could still pay him that right um but I yeah I think I would quit I'll call you guys after the 2025 season I'm not Jason gonna... Fitzgerald of overthecap.com here's the quote he'll forfeit 382,906 in salary and can be subject to bonus forfeitures of $862,179 if the Lions have the ability to recover any bonus money due to this suspension. Williams will also have his remaining salary guarantees void. Those total $6,877,308 of which five million three hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars five hundred or five hundred ninety dollars are attributed to the twenty twenty-four and twenty twenty-five season, when his status could be more in danger with the team. Dude, Brutal. at least we had. I mean, it was a little cold this weekend. At least that didn't happen. My God, that you're all right, man. I don't. I almost passed out whenever you told me that, because he bet on. Who Didn't knows, even bet on an NFL game. Right? Who knows what at the facility? Maybe bet on like a tennis match in Europe or a. Who knows? That's. Why if he bet on Taylor Gooch to win the Live Golf Adelaide event? It's only a good deal if he bet six point eight seven million dollars on it. Oh my gosh. Whoo. This is where I fall on that. If all of that ends up being the case, the punishment does not fit the crime. Almost well, $7 yeah, million. Because it's not a crime, right? Everyone else can do it. And in right. fact, you're encouraging all of your fans that consume your product to do it. Yeah. And I know there's going to be a, a, a group of people, maybe a huge group of people, maybe everyone is going to say, well, he knew the rules before he placed the bet. Yeah, that's true, but I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't get on board with that, which yep. is sometimes why I'm not a fan of the NFLPA, right? The NFLPA, they pick their battles, right? And sometimes they just allow some stuff that is egregious to go on um, for more money, which ends up only going to like two guys on the team anyways, right? Uh, it goes to your quarterback and maybe one other player, but that is, that is just, that's bad. I feel like, I feel like that like ruined your day. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I don't, I don't like when people get screwed out of money, and I kind of feel like he's getting screwed out of money here. Now, they could still pay it. Like, they could – I, it voids the guaranteed stuff, but I, I feel like that's going to be ultimately up to the club, right? Yeah, and six games is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, man. I, I know – I feel bad for Dan Campbell, right? You yeah. Yeah. Right, because he's pouring his heart and soul into that thing, and they they really it looked like found some momentum and started playing some good football. So I hate that for him. Yep. On that note, episode three hundred eleven in the books. 
We'll have a new podcast that will drop on Wednesday. Dusty Dvorak, our guy, Ted. We're going to do uh, a bit of a spring ball recap, kind of see what he thinks uh, about the squad right now because I'm going to be on my week-long paternity leave that I'm giving myself. (laughs) That's great. We're not missing any episodes. People, come on. You know how we do things on here. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time